Hey, I'm Robbie Kramer. You're listening to the Leverage Podcast, where we discuss using your social skills to hack dating, travel, finding your dream job, and becoming a complete man. All right. So, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Uh, we've got a really special guest on, who I was recently a guest on his podcast, Um his name is Peter King, and he's the host of the PK Experience podcast. He's also a relationship dynamics coach, and uh, we had some really interesting conversations over the last, uh, you know, two calls that we did. And uh, I'm looking forward to continuing it. Welcome. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, Peter, tell us about you know, tell us how you got inspired to to start your show. Um, I'm always really interested in, in people's kind of like business background or just the cool things they're up to. Cause your, your show is awesome. Um, you know, they're putting amazing content out there. I know maybe you got some inspiration, um, from the Joe Rogan experience. Is that true? <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, you know, it's funny. There's that quote, um, everybody is a genius, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it'll live its whole life thinking it's stupid. And there's just been a part of me as I, in my own journey, in my own discovery of like, am I really doing what I'm called to do? Um, and through a lot of trial and error and just my own, you know, bumping into things and figuring things out, kind of discovered that I was very influenced by my father, who's a businessman and, and very successful and so there's a there's been a business drive uh, and a success drive and very prominent, but yet at the same time there's also like an emptiness and, and like a, is this is there something more is there something else that I should be doing and um, you know I just I've always been very curious I've always been uh, I love to learn I love to understand what makes people tick and I love talking to people like yourself who are out there doing cool shit in the world and making an impact and helping people and. Uh, so I'm very inspired by, you know, what the mindset that creates that and, and what can I learn and how can I share that with other people? And so I actually, uh, I saw a interview, perhaps you've seen it or sorry, Ted talk with Simon Sinek, um, where he talks about the golden circle and start how leaders inspire others. Mm -hmm. Start with why. Yep. yep. <laughs> I think it's actually the number two Ted talk of all time. Um, and when I saw that, I was like blown away by that. I was blown away by the fact that, oh, you can actually, like your purpose can be to help other people find their purpose. Like he helped mm -hmm. sort of pull that out for me to see, because I was always looking for my purpose as if, as if it was this thing, as opposed to, no, what I really love to do is help other people find what's motivating and inspiring for them. So totally. after I saw that, I'm like, I, I, I've got to talk to this guy. And so um, I had a, at the time, a small consultancy. I had a, you know, a list of like 5,000 people. So I, I sent him an email. I said, Hey, look, I got a, an audience that would be interested to hear more about you. You know, can we, can I do an interview? And, you know, nine months later of back and forth and yeses and last minute no's and we'll do it at some point, you know, and whatever I, you know, I just stayed on it. Um, ultimately got the interview, did it. And then I sat on it for like three years. I, I didn't know what to do with it. I mean, I really? sent it out to my, mm -hmm. yeah, I sent it out to my list, but I didn't know what else to do with it. And so anyway, it was a very long answer to your question, but 
I ultimately sort of backed into podcasting because uh, people kept giving me nudges like, dude, you, you ask really good questions. And oh, that's really interesting. I'd love to hear what you asked Simon Sinek or whatever. And so I finally told a friend of mine one day, he's like, you've got an interview with Simon Sinek that you haven't published. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> he's like, why not? I'm like, I, I don't know what the podcast is. Like, I don't know who the audience is. Like the brand needs work. And he's like, dude, I don't want to hear it anymore. This was on a Monday. And he goes, that, that interview needs to be live by Friday. And I'm like, you know what? This is exactly the like kicking the ass that I need. You're right. I'm going to do it. I'm just, whatever. Friday is the day it's going up on Friday. (laughs) And uh, so of course I didn't know what to call the podcast. I didn't know what the audience, I didn't know all those questions, right? I I didn't know those answers, but I'm a huge Joe Rogan fan. And I'm like, well, he's done pretty well with this. Why don't I just model success? So he has the Joe Rogan experience. I have the PK experience. And so that's kind of how we got started. And, and next thing I know, I've got, you know, I've been doing, doing it for now about two years and I've had the privilege of having some really great guests on. Yeah. I, I, I dig the name cause it's great. You know, you can kind of talk about anything, right? You're not pigeonholed for one certain thing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and that's, that's kind of how these shows evolve. I know for, you know, just, I've been doing this show for two years, actually a little bit longer, but I took like a one-year break last year to to go party, which we've discussed at length. Um, (laughs) But that's kind of how I chose the name Leverage. I'm like, yeah, it's kind of vague. No one really knows what that means, or they sort of do, but I don't have to just talk about dating and talk about anything. Um, Yes. So, no, I love that story. Um, and it's, it's, it's funny. One thing you mentioned about finding your purpose, uh, I was actually just watching a video today about money. And um, Robert Kiyosaki was the guy being interviewed. And he was mentioning like a huge turning point for him was he was at some seminar or something when he was like fresh out of the Marines and coming back from uh, the war in Vietnam. And uh, the the speaker was like, you know, you might find your purpose, whatever you might not, but no matter what, it'll be geared towards helping others. And if you're helping others, then the rest of it will kind of fall into place. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, obviously your show putting out that great content is, is huge for people. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. There's purpose. You can't have purpose unless it's connected to other people in the service of other people. Like I've, you know, there's a huge distinction that I got um, between passion and purpose. You always hear people say, like, I'm trying to find out what my passion, what am I passionate about? And passion is huge. Like, it's the fuel that drives you and pushes you forward. And, and of course, if you get to wake up and you get to do what you're passionate about, that's the dream, right? But um, there is a huge difference between passion and purpose. And it just was very clear to me that passion really is just something that's about you. Like I might be passionate about kite surfing, right? But unless uh, or until that connects to other people, um, maybe I share, you know, the the value of kite surfing, the adventure of kite surfing, the the challenge, um, the the life lessons that you can learn from it. Until you do that and connect it to somebody else, you're still you're in passion. You're not in purpose. Right. So I think purpose absolutely has to be connected to other people. For sure. Yeah, it's a good way to say it. So tell us more about your your title, relationships dynamics, relationship dynamics coach. How did you kind of get into all this stuff in the first place before you started your podcast? Yeah, well that's <laughs> that, that's another one of those like 
intentionally specifically vague titles, right? Right. <laughs> I can, it can be as much or as little as I need it to be. But uh, in seriousness, it, it really is um, the, the reason why I say relationship dynamics is, is because it's not just um, dating or interacting between men and women. It's also, you know, the relationship that you have with yourself. And often I work with a lot of men who are trying to um, right the ship, if you will. They hit midlife and they go, man, I, I, I'm not where I thought I would be at this point in my life. Or my relationship is really struggling or she just left me or I'm successful, but I'm just totally empty. There's just, there's a, there's a fire that's missing in a lot of men. And I've dealt with that too. I'm not trying to profess that I'm above that or whatever. I still have my days, but, um, but there's a real need out there for, for guidance on that. So it can be with just men. Um, I've also been working now with just women as well and uh, helping them better understand the masculine and, and helping them feel seen and, and pull them up and, and, and hopefully try to uplift them to a place where they, uh, you know, experience more attraction and, and life and love and passion in their own lives. And then ultimately it's the relationship between the two. So I haven't done much couple uh, coaching yet, but, um, you know, I'll speak to somebody who's in a relationship and I'm usually just working with that one person, but it really does cover the whole dynamic of relationships from, um, the relationship to oneself, to one's purpose, to uh, their significant other, and even, you know, to children and parenting, because I have two kids, and um, that's a huge issue, obviously, as well. So any and all of the relationships are meaningful and important and significant, and I get, I'm very excited to discuss any one of those. Yeah. Uh, well, a couple of things I wanted to discuss with you. We can kind of take them one at a time. Uh, I know you just went on a retreat with... Um some of the guys from the order of man, right? That's a group yep. that I'm also in. And I kind of follow, um, with your son. That looked like it was pretty cool. Yes. Um, very yeah, cool. What, uh, tell us more about that. Well, it's an interesting story because, uh, about five, four or five years ago now, I, it was very clear to me that as far as the purpose goes, like I really wanted to help and work with men who were struggling and, <clears throat> needed needed the the proverbial fire lit under their ass kind of thing. Um, I was just uh, leaving a, a relationship that neither one of us found joy in. I was married for you know fifteen sixteen years before we ended up getting separated. Um, and so I had wanted to create a masculine retreat of my own. Um, so I did some research to find out what other people were out there and what they were doing. And that's when I came across Ryan Mickler and the Order of Man stuff. And um, I ended up creating my own little retreat. I had uh, four or five guys come out and I knew, I knew that there needed to be some warrior aspect to this retreat. Men are very attracted to that warrior energy and we want to be the hero. And so I coupled up with some special forces guys that I know in town that have a facility and, and basically did a, a re retreat with them. But, in full honesty, like it felt like a failure because I, I wasn't getting the traction that I was hoping for. Uh, it wasn't resonating with most guys. And, and I was just left scratching my head, like, what am I missing? And, and then that's when Ryan took off with the order of man thing. And it just took off in the stratosphere. I mean, he's just killing it with it. And so I kind of sat back and I'm like, what, you know, what is he doing that I'm not, or what, what, how is he meeting a need that I'm not? And I really realized that, uh, he is that warrior archetype and to a T like, I mean, he, 
he's a literal literal warrior. He was in the military, um, but he looks the part. He's got the big beard. He's got the, the band, energy, right? the way that he communicates. <laughs> the yeah. man's band, uh, right? <laughs> the, yeah, the very, there's a very masculine he reminds warrior me of the, energy like, there. Uh, the Dollar Beard Club or whatever. Right? <laughs> 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 uh, he'd be a perfect spokesman for that. Yep. <laughs> for sure. And he'll let you know it too. Um, and, uh, so anyway, you know, I was watching him grow his, his brand and his, his impact and all that. And there was that clear, uh, warrior art side. And so I was like, all right, let me, let me be around this more. What, what, what am I, what do I need to better understand about this? And so I ultimately got involved with his program. I became a, a team leader in his iron council, which is a monthly membership thing. And, um, what I realized was <clears throat> it, there's, I'm, I'm referencing archetypes for those that aren't familiar with it, there's a great book called uh, King Warrior, Magician Lover, The Four Masculine Archetypes or something like that. And it talks about the different the different types of men that there are. And of course, these are generalizations, but I often find that men typically fit into one of those different archetypes. And what I discovered in working with Ryan and the Order of Man stuff is that I'm more of that magician archetype. I'm much more gifted in transformation and making the unseen seen, helping people understand their conflicting beliefs and their subconscious so that they can resolve that and find fulfillment. Whereas the warrior is much more about action and results and uh, roll your sleeves up and get it done. I found that when people with problems went to the warrior, the warrior's response was often shut up you know, hit, hit the treadmill, exactly. eat less, work out more. Yep. Like that, that's the typical warrior response. And I'm like, that true. Like, of course that's true. But if it was, if it was that easy, everybody would be doing it. And of course the warrior will say, it is that easy, shut up and go do it. Right. right. But, <laughs> but there often is subconscious conflict and other things going on there that, that can help illuminate, you know, for that person that's dealing with that, there's some things that you can help them see something and go, oh, this is why I self-sabotage. This is why I, I binge eat when I'm frustrated or whatever. So uh, again, very long answer to your, to your question, but uh, I got involved with Ryan and, and everything he's doing. And I wanted to go out to this uh, retreat that he's doing called Legacy with my son, because we both, like, I wanted him to be around more of that warrior energy too. And I, you know, I enjoy being around that as well. So anyway, we went out there it was uh, three days out in the mountains. We did a ton of very masculine things, throwing axes, shooting bows, shooting guns, uh, playing airsoft, kayaking, caving. We, we did a lot, and uh, it was huge. I mean, it was uh, – what was really cool was my son is probably one of the most gentle, sweet, kind, fun um, people you'll ever meet. He just has an incredible heart. And uh, – probably been a little bit too tough on him. And so I wanted to get other perspective and have other people give perspective. And so when we got out to this retreat, what was really awesome was I got to see this little warrior and there was mm -hmm. a couple of things that happened. We, we had a planking contest and out of all the kids that were in this thing, and this is included some 13, 14, 15 year olds. My son is 11. My son ended up winning or, or you know, being the last kid in, this planking contest really and like holding, a, a huge... holding a plank like did that yeah that position. and this... wow. <laughs> got to have some serious yep. uh, ab strength for that he he did it you know like we had this every morning we had pt and it was <clears throat> we had you know it was early we were up at 5 30 dark it was cold it was snowing at one point you know we're out there running and doing all this stuff 
he didn't complain once. And then we did this planking contest. He was the last kid in. And, and A, it allowed me to see, dang, this kid is, and I've always told him this, but to actually really see it and have him live it, like he's a lot stronger than, than his gentle appearance uh, portrays, number one. But then perhaps even more importantly, like he saw it and he got a lot of validation from it. Like everybody's like, whoa, Dean, that a boy. And I was so proud of him and so grateful for that experience um, because it just totally shifted our dynamic and our relationship, which, you know, that's ultimately what it's about and, and connecting on a deeper level, which is the purpose of that program. And then, of course, try to, you know, make a bigger impact uh, in our own circles of life, too. So that yeah, right. was great. That's really cool to see that side that maybe, you know, weren't really expecting um, or, you know, just have that new relationship, I guess, that you can build from that. Like I was, exactly. you know, like, um, I guess growing up, I was always kind of just like kind of starving for it from attention from my dad. So he's a doctor and I'd see him, you know, after work on the weekends and all that stuff. But it was so rare that we got to do, do just things together, him and I. You know, we did a ski trip yes. and, and, and it, it's such a huge impact, especially on like a little boy, I think to have that masculine role model and to spend that time because, you know, if you're a dad, you're, you got your business going, you're trying to support your family, right? You've got your wife to deal with yep. <laughs> if you have other kids. <clears throat> so it's great to just set aside that time and do it. It is. It's such a huge void for young boys, uh, in, in our society today. I mean, a hundred plus years ago, you were out on the tractor with that, you know, mm-hmm. and, and you were learning the ways of the masculine energy directly from other men. And we've kind of lost that in our Western culture right now, where most young boys are being, you know, grow up with mom at home and a, and a woman teacher, statistically speaking. Yep. And so <clears throat> we're learning from an early age how to please women, which is great. There's nothing wrong, inherently wrong with that. But uh, there is definitely that void. And I hear it all the time, exactly what you said. It's the same experience that I had. My father, you know, I call it absentee fathers, even even ones that stay married and were technically there. Um, they're still absent. You know, my dad was a workaholic, too. And I, I hardly saw him. So that, uh, yeah, I'm trying to fill that void in my son's experience. And, and, you know, there's a rising tide of men who are recognizing that we need to step up and and be the example that we needed in our own lives when we were younger that we missed. Right. Yeah, no, it's, it's so important. And, uh, that kind of ties in. I I saw that you posted on your, uh, on your Facebook wall. I love that you, you know, you post some like racy masculine feminine stuff and, um, I would do it more (laughs) if I wasn't such a pussy. Uh, (laughs) people couldn't Google me and see all the dirt from the dating shit I have, but (laughs) They'll pull up like old articles of chauvinistic crap. Who knows? But uh, yeah, <laughs> but I like it was the one you posted. Actually, you know, it says I'm looking at it right now from 13 hours ago, and yeah. uh, I'll, I'll just read it out loud. It says strong, single, successful women, men, at least the ones you're you're interested in, are not intimidated by your strength. They're just not attracted to it. Women who claim men are intimidated by their success use it as a scapegoat not to grow, and it's so true. Like. And it just – so let's talk about that for a bit. Um, <laughs> 83 yeah, comments, it, two shares, right? It's, you you, can, you always it, know you're going to get some you know, a conversation going. That's for sure. Yo, no doubt. I mean it started a little mini firestorm, of course. And you know, I, I, there's, I should say that I probably – there needs to be a little caveat to that because 
I'm really speaking to strong, single, successful women who still claim that men are intimidated uh, mm. by their by their strength. I'm not talking to strong, single women who are happy. I'm not talking to strong, single women who uh, maybe, or of course, they wouldn't be single, but it, you know, if they're dating somebody or if they're married and they're happy, if they like the results they're getting in their life, I have no desire to change that. I'm not trying to tell them they're wrong or whatever. I'm talking about the women that I, you know, I consistently see a pattern of very strong, capable, successful, kick-ass women that are single. And, and in, you know, on many ways, the appearance that they give out into the world is that they have it all together, but I've had private conversations with many of them and they often will, you know, let their guard down a little bit and say, I'm miserable. Like, I'm just, you know, like, where's all the good men? Where's all this? And I'm like, look, they're not intimidated by real masculine men are not intimidated by your strength. I mean, real masculine men live in a world of strength and, and, and posturing and chest bumping and chest pounding. And like, <laughs> we're not intimidated by strength. Right. It's just not attractive. We're not, we're not gay. We're not looking for more masculine energy in our lives. So while, but here's the key distinction. I respect the hell out of it. Just like I respect the hell out of any man who's out kicking ass and taking names. Like, and that's quarter. This is another thing too. Is all these terms have subjective meaning to all of it. So if I say, you know, this is attractive, a thousand people will say what's attractive to them. And a thousand other people say it's the complete opposite. Right. But what I meant by attraction, I'm talking about it in a sexual context, in a intimate romantic relationship context. It's not romantically sexually attractive to have more masculine energy around if you're a masculine man. And so, um, of course, it's very difficult to explain all in a single Facebook post. And, you know, I realize people are going <laughs> to take it differently. And it's, it's just, it's fascinating to me how so many different people have so many different takeaways or what different words mean to them or whatever. And yeah, it was, it's, yeah, it's still, I, I, I'm still getting uh, updates on my phone that people are posting, you know, people love this stuff. Like I, I try to I was, stay out of it. Um, you know, and I, and I definitely respect you for like, for creating the conversations, right? If, if I was to do anything, that's what I would do. But, um, <laughs> it's, uh... well, and, uh, in full transparently, part of that was intentional because I've just started to be more, uh, intentional with my reaching out to women to coach. Gotcha. So, uh, you know, I realized that that's going to stir a few things up. I do happen to believe it. I, and I oh, see it as an actual, um, problem. Like, and I'm not trying to tell people that they're wrong. Again, if you're happy with your life and you're getting the results that you want, don't listen to me, like do your thing. But if you're somebody that is a successful woman and you're strong and you're going, well, why are men not attracted to me? Like, I want to help you. And I want to help you see that it's not attractive. All the masculine energy that you're putting out of the world is not attractive to actual masculine men. And not that you should be any less strong, because this is another takeaway that I hear a lot of women say, oh, so I should be weak. So I should be soft. <laughs> right. so I should... No, <laughs> continue to kick ass, continue to be strong. Don't let down any of that strength. It has nothing to do with that. It just means how can you bring more feminine energy to your, to your dynamic, to your character in your life. So right. that's usually the place of, of growth where women go, oh, well, they often have this sort of undercurrent of, well, feminine energy means weakness. 
Like, no, 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 no. Feminine energy is perhaps the most powerful force on the planet, if you truly understand it. Yeah, um, I believe so, that. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm curious from the women you've been speaking with recently or coaching, um, I'm a little bit removed from the conversation or the, you know, the narrative that's going on in the U.S. being in, in Kiev, you know, <laughs> yes. it's very much a man's world over here. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, the it, you don't really see the strong, um, all the debating, obviously, that doesn't go on at all, right, over mass and feminine energy and gender roles and all that stuff that happens in the U.S. Um, but, you know, so I only see it from Facebook and I, I kind of have this overall kind of feeling about it. Right. But I'm curious from, from your side, cause you're actually talking to women and working with them closely. So you have like their individual sort of feedback, you know, what are their, I guess what I'm asking for guys who are listening, right. Um, I know it was, I don't know. I, I'm guessing a year or two ago it was like, there's no strong masculine guys left. But that was just kind of like the narrative. What are you hearing from the women about, you know, what are their complaints, I guess, or you, you kind of get where I'm going with the question. I'm not totally yeah. sure exactly, but can you speak <laughs> to that? <laughs> yeah, I, I think um, that there's a very tiny sliver, but very loud uh, minority of women who are who are saying that everything's broken, that everything about men is broken and it's toxic and, and all that. But the vast majority of women that I speak to, um, are dealing with that dynamic of, uh, of how does, how do people relate in the 21st century? We definitely have a new relationship. Women are liberated in ways, uh, deeply profound ways today than they were just a few short decades ago. So, um, how does that work? I mean, if you take, for example, the sexual liberation from the sixties, right. And you take, the the innovation of the pill and the fact that women can now have sex without you know potential of having kids of course there's always that potential right but it's a lot easier for them to have a mate in today's world than it was say 50 years ago where um, the standard had to be incredibly high because if you're going to sleep with somebody you might have a child with them and you might have to be you know dealing with that for months and then years and so it's a really huge deal where whereas men obviously you know, we're much more spreading our seed. It's, it's a much lower uh, opportunity cost if we impregnate a woman, right? So there's that biological need that has been completely taken away now where women can have sex in a recreational way. That alone is a huge dynamic in how we relate to each other today in, in our world today. So a lot of the women that I'm speaking with are very successful. A lot of them are very open to, you know, having relationships, intimate relationships, but they're also hungering for deeper connection. And that deeper connection doesn't come into play unless you do have uh, an emotionally present, emotionally intelligent, masculine man. And that is where there's a huge void right now. Unfortunately, I think a lot of men are really reeling with um, perhaps a generational echo of of poor parenting that has happened in generations past, like you said, just absent fathers. And we don't have that role model in our own lives. And, and even in culturally and societally, at least in Western America, in the Western world, there isn't a celebration of masculine men. Most, most of the portrayals of men that you see in our world and in our culture right now are either the dumb, you know, Homer Simpson type 
comedic man. Look at any sitcom. It's family. Right. Or (laughs) yeah. Or it's this overly uh, testosterone militaristic, you know, I'm going to crush the world type cartoon character of uh, the masculine man. You don't see a lot of balanced, um, honorable, strong, uh, funny. They're there. Don't get me wrong. They're definitely out there. But as a society, we don't really hold that up on a pedestal right now and say, this is worthy of celebration. And oh, by the way, it's not to take anything away from women. It's the exact opposite. It's like, if we can point to that as a more clear path to what we all are striving to be like, it actually benefits women. It actually serves women. And the women that I speak to are are just craving that deeper connection from a masculine man who, so they're running into either men that are that are emotionally available and, and open, but they're weak and they're wishy-washy and they're placating, or they're finding guys that are dominant and strong and alpha, but they aren't fully present and they don't really know how to connect with women. So it, there is that void there that, that I'm seeking to serve on both sides to, to help fill and, and paint some clarity for, for both sexes, really. Sure. Yeah, it's interesting how you describe those uh, those characteristics. And I was thinking back to what you said about the archetypes, right? You've got the maybe the well, you said there was a king, warrior, lover, and magician, right? Yes. All right. So maybe the dumb Homer Simpson is like the dumb lover. I don't know, but and then we know who the warrior is. But it seems like there's the you know that king or the magician kind of archetype that's no one's really talking about, or I guess that you know that that would kind of fill that void. And, yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's the book is a fascinating book because it talks about not just the ideals of these archetypes, but also the shadow archetypes. So, mm-hmm. you know, if if you're the warrior archetype, there's a mature, honorable, impactful way to express that warrior energy. But there's also a shadow, a passive and an active shadow. So the passive act uh, uh, shadow would be taking all your gifts of strength and not using them at all, and you're a complete wimp, right? Or the the uh, active shadow would be taking your gifts of all that strength, but using it in a negative way to abuse and to dis- and to be and to destroy in negative ways. Um, so it's it's a fascinating book because it ta- it does talk about both the the light and the dark side of of these archetypes. I highly recommend it. Yeah, D- does it relate to business at all too? They, I mean, do they go into that? Uh, it, it do, it's not a business book per se, but all business is centered around people. And the more that you understand psychology and people, I mean, it's it's a it's a game changer if you can walk into a business negotiation meeting and understand. Oh, I'm dealing with a lover right now. Oh, I'm dealing with a with a magician. Oh, I'm dealing with a warrior. Right. So sure. if you understand what drives them and what's meaningful to them, and more importantly, what influences the people that you're seeking to influence it gives you a huge leg up in a business sense for sure. And, uh, I wanted to ask you, so you've, you've had your podcast for two years, right? Um, yes. And you know, it's fair to say you're an entrepreneur, full-time entrepreneur. Yes. Um, and how did you transition into that? Cause I have a lot of guys who listen who are either in a, you know, nine to five that they hate, or they're already entrepreneurs trying to make a bigger impact. Um, trying to start something like a podcast that can that can have that reach. Sure. Well, there's there's I have two answers to that. The first one is where I'm at right now, which is ridiculously fortunate. Um, which is not 
the sexy answer. It's not the, Oh, you know, here's the exact path to do it. I, I had a father that just killed it financially and he recently sold his business and he did very, very well with it. And it's, it's, you know, been something that's really supported our entire extended family. So I can't say to you with full transparency, here's exactly how you do it without mentioning like, look, I just was dealt an incredible hand. Yeah. So there is well, that part of it. I will yeah, say about this. that too. Because yeah, there's a, there's a I, lot I of people you- out there just, you know, <laughs> they get all that money and then they just do nothing with it, right? Or they just become drug addicts. And so, <laughs> you know, yes. at least uh, yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of ways to blow that and, and not there, do There is. Do. I'm, trying, I'm, I'm trying not to do that. Believe me, there's a whole <laughs> set of other pressures that is not very – there's not a lot of space for like the white male – uh, guy in America who uh, whose father did very well financially. There's not a lot of room for us to complain. <laughs> so right. believe me, there are there are pressures and there are struggles with that that are very real. But uh, yeah, I don't really talk about those publicly. <laughs> so sure. um, I value my life. So, uh, <laughs> but the second answer, the second part, uh, the second answer to your question is before my father really did his thing. And I was younger in my 20s, uh, you know, got married very early. I set out to, you know, conquer the world kind of a thing. I had a very strong ambition to my whole thing was financial freedom. You mentioned Robert Kiyosaki. Um, I was living in St. Louis at the time, read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And like it lit a fire under me. I was like, oh, this is the path of real estate. It's passive income. That's how you're going (laughs) to get financial freedom. And so I literally got done with that book, told my then wife, look, we're moving to Florida. We're going to get involved in real estate. And, uh, well, I was supposed to fly down on September 11th, 2001. That didn't work out very well. So, uh, but as soon as they started flying planes again, I flew down there, bought a place, got into real estate investing. And this was, my father had zero understanding of real estate. And, and so on a personal level, it was a place where I could sort of plant my flag and, and say, see, I'm independent. And I, I did my own thing. And, I had a, the goal of being a millionaire before I was 30. And so, um, you know, there, there was a real estate bubble going on at the time. And to my credit, my wife's credit at the time, we jumped in and got in front of that wave and uh, was able to really uh, grow a, a small portfolio of real estate and was able to, I think it was 29 years old, I was a net worth millionaire. So I achieved that goal and, and I can certainly help other people create passive income and and the the real estate side of things, and then also on the business side of things. But um, my my strength and expertise really is in the relationship side of things, and of course that does bubble over into the entrepreneurial side of stuff for sure. But um, I, I will also say, while I achieved that goal of being a net worth millionaire by the age of thirty, I also didn't create the next goal, which was keep the money that you made. <laughs> and <Right. laughs> and so there was a lot of ups and downs. Uh, it, as there is in anybody's life. Uh, and I found the joys of uh, running into a sociopathic con artist. And that was an incredible, interesting, fascinating uh, experience for me and my family at the time. Oh, wow. um, that was uh, yeah, part that's of all. the reason why the money went away, I'm guessing. Part of the reason, yes, it was. Mm-hmm. Um, not, not all of it. I mean, the, the real estate obviously had a huge downturn. I had a life throws you a curveball. My mom I got a phone call from my dad and said, your mom's not doing well. And, you know, a few short months later she had passed. And so 
Oh, and then, you know, a year after that, my father got the family together and said, hey, everybody just want to let you know, I'm gay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what? what a crazy so uh, it, time, it sounds like. Dude, it was it was insane. It was, yeah. I mean, but that's life, right? Like, yeah. life just does, life throws curveballs. You, things you don't expect happen, so. Wow, that's nuts. I'll, just the, the thinking of all those things, Jesus. <laughs> um, no, I, I guess the... A few, a few questions I have. Um, well, one, obviously, we've spoken a little bit about real estate in the past, and I think it's a great vehicle to grow wealth and keep wealth. Um, yes. And also, <clears throat> I, I share the same viewpoint as you. Like, it's it's cool. It's not my passion, though, right? You know, I'm not going exactly. <laughs> to wake up every day thinking about real estate. It's more of exactly. a tool to, to grow my wealth and to make sure I hold on to it. Um, and uh, it sounds like, yeah, obviously going down to Florida in 2001, I recently watched, um, what was that movie called? Uh, it, it was about the, basically the collapse uh, of the banking system. Um, the Big Short? Big Short, exactly. Yeah. And it reminded me of that scene where they're down in Florida with those uh, <laughs> with those loan officers who are like, yeah, we're killing yeah. it. We got boats, blah, 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 blah. Right, right place, right time, for sure. But then you have to deal with you know, 2007, 2008, do you still do much in real estate? Uh, I'm, I'm getting back into it uh, slowly, but surely I've done a few deals over the last couple of years. Um, but dude, I, I was down in Florida during all of the shenanigans. It was mm. absolutely insane. I mean, I, I remember walking into a bank and here I am at the time of 27 years old. I walked into a bank and 15 minutes later, I walked out with $150,000 credit line. Uh, a home equity line. And it was basically the banker that I spoke with was like, how much do you own? I I was, uh, I had a mortgage with the bank that I went into bank of America at the time. And they, so they could see how much mortgage I owed. And they're like, all right, well, how much is the property? And I told them, honestly, this is the value of the property. I could have easily fabricated that. I told them here's a legitimate price. And they're like, okay, uh, here's your equity line. Have a good day. And I was like, I walked out of there you know, with integrity, but I also was going, man, there's something wrong about this. <laughs> there's something sure. off. Like that was too easy. That was, and you know, that was, that was, that was the dynamic at the time. It was, it was really, it was crazy. <laughs> yeah. That's nuts. Just the, the yeah. amount of money that people just easily get. And then, you know, we saw how that went. They were, they were giving money away literally. And uh, yeah, lo and behold, things don't always work out when you do. That. <laughs> sure. Believe it or not. Yeah. So um, I'm, this is a personal question coming your way. You don't have to answer if you don't want, but obviously uh, that must have had a huge kind of impact on your marriage and, you know, having that, that, you know, financial success and then going through those downtimes and also the personal stuff. Um, can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. You know, I definitely, no doubt there was stress there that, that impacted my life, my relationship. Um, but I will say this, and this is, you know, this is my full transparency. It's like money doesn't define who you are. And so, you know, if, if you're somebody that has millions of dollars, um, it doesn't define you. But on the reverse side, if you don't have that money, it doesn't define you either. And I, I found that like when this happened, um, there's, again, there's that whole other con story that had happened uh, and we lost a bunch of money. I, honestly, I, there was a point where the con artist called me up and 
and she was playing more manipulative games again. And she calls me in tears and she's like, Oh my God, you must hate me. And I said, I don't hate you at all. Like I go to bed fine. I sleep well. I, I, I didn't do anything wrong. I, I feel an integrity. I have a family that loves me. I love my family. Like I feel way more wealthy in that than I do with the money that came in and out of my life. Now that might be not be the most healthy response because you need to care about the money that you have. It's, it, it's hard work. You know, I put a lot of hard work to earn that money. And, um, but I, I, I at the time, uh, to answer your question, like it, it definitely had an impact. Um, but there's other things that are more important in the world. And, and at the time my mom wasn't doing well, you know, she was mm-hmm. not feeling well. And, um, so that took a lot of time and energy and like, that's the stuff that matters. Sure. And, and honestly, having, having grown up with a dad that did very well, you know, financially, um, I, I sort of, the allure of money isn't as strong, uh, with me. So I, I often tell people I grew up with a lot of what I wanted, but not everything I needed. And so there's, there's those, there's those deeper needs that are more valuable to me that money doesn't, there's no way that money can ever provide for that. So I don't know right. if that answers your question, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, another close enough. <laughs> um, I do have some questions about the con artist because I went through something very similar. My first job out of college was basically with a uh, boiler room chop shop uh, con mm. artist guy who I had a bunch of poker winnings um, in college, <laughs> and uh, he he was like, "Yeah, come work for this startup private equity firm and." We're going to invest in all these companies and you'll be a millionaire by the age of 26. You know, give me three years of your life and I'll give you the the next you know, 50 or whatever. Um, mm. So that turned out to just be just total con job. Lost all of the poker money. Lost like 2.5 million of friends and family's money. Um, mm. So <laughs> that was uh, that was brutal. But, you know, walking away from that. Um, I knew I acted in integrity. The other people working there didn't do so as much. They all got sued. I didn't. And you have the option to either get angry, you know, start trying to sue everyone, try to get revenge, or you can just be like, you know what? I learned a lesson. Um, and it sounds like that's kind of what you did. And you had a similar sort of reaction to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. It was, it was, uh, it was one of those surreal moments in life where you're like, is this really happening? Like for real? Like, I, of course I've always known that there's sociopaths out there and, but like, really, <laughs> are you right. really taking my money? Uh, like, and my, my mother was on her deathbed and this con artist knew that I'm, you know, I'm flying back and forth between Florida and, and Missouri where she was, where my mother was. And, and this con artist knew that that was happening. And to, to look at another human being in the eye, and know that they're bullshitting you and that has real consequences and that they are flat out manipulating and lying to you and has their hands in your pocket taking stealing your money while your mother's died. like wow that's a that's a, a blackness a darkness that i've never come across to fully experience that was a trip and so the, the weird like psychological curious guy in me was like show me more about your world this con artist who's screwing me over right now. Like <laughs> I would, right. you know, life, life throws curveballs and you, and, and we are who we are in those moments. And I, I think that's a, a really big takeaway is to know that people are, 
who they are under stress. Complainers complain, angry people get angry, uh, joyful, abundant people are resourceful. They find ways to find the good, even in the darkest of moments. And um, if we can find that, that's not always easy. And I'm not trying to profess that I always do that. I don't. But if we can continually lean on that and try to find a way to find, there's always a silver lining. There's always something good. You know, 9-11, look at all the people rushing to help. Like the mm-hmm. darkest of our darkest moments bring out the brightest lights. For so, sure. There's always that moment that you can find good in any situation that I think is a key takeaway. Yeah, yeah, well said. So, what's it like uh, being a, a single dad now? Um, also, kind of being a dating coach, uh, working with women, working with men, and then navigating your relationships. Dude, it's wild. <laughs> it's totally <laughs> wild because like me with 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 kids. And um, yes. it's funny, I think about it and, you know, I was so scared of like getting a girl pregnant back in the day and having yeah. kids and, and, um, I've have a dog that I'm like literally attached the the hip with. He's a, I've got him as a fake service dog. He's traveled to 10 countries in the last two years. <laughs> so, yeah, he's, he, he's 10 years old. So he's like my child, right? Yeah. <laughs> my security blanket. Um, but, you know, I I know a bunch of single dads now, and I'm almost envious. Like, fuck, I should have just, you know, knocked a girl up a, a few years back, and at least I'd have like, some kids now. And, like, <laughs> yeah. You know, I guess now kind of the biological clock for me is ticking because I'll be yes. 37 soon, and I want to start a family at some point. But I'm so yeah. kind of like – I wouldn't call it fucked up from the dating stuff, but kind of like <laughs> – my lifestyle is just, you know, basically the insane single guy. Um, yeah. But I do find that makes it difficult to maybe have something more, a little bit deeper uh, with a girl or and, and go in that route. So I'm curious, what's yeah. it like for you in your situation? Uh, well, first of all, I love your transparency. I love how honest you are. And I thought about that too, like just getting fucked up in the whole dating space and, and you know, whatever that means. But I can tell you for me personally, like it's the greatest, most profound, significant joy of my life to be with my kids. I love my kids. I love being with them. They're amazing. Um, and, and they're difficult and they're challenging. I'm, you know, they're, they're both, but, um, it's a very interesting dynamic because on the one hand you go, Oh, well you, you only have your kids half the time, but there is no half the time when you're with (laughs) kids because you're either, a million miles an hour with them or nothing. And so when I have them, uh, yes, uh, or I'm sorry, when I don't have them, yes, I, you know, there's only 50% of the time that I do have them. But when I do have them, I'm a single parent. I'm the only person to get everything done. So it's, it's twice the work in half the time, basically. Yeah. So, you know, there is nobody else helping to sweep the floors, cook the meals, wash the dishes or whatever. So you have to step in and do all of that as well which I'm happy to do. It's the bet I made. But um, it, as far as the impact on the dating life, um, it definitely has an impact. I mean, anybody that you're going to be seriously wanting to have a relationship with is ultimately going to you know, need to know and need to meet your own kids. And I haven't even gotten to that point yet where um, I've introduced you know, anybody that I'm into to my kids other than just you know, maybe in passing or whatever. But um, so. I have found that 
full transparency, full honesty is definitely the way to go. Um, I have never had any anybody say, oh, I'm really into you, but you have kids, so no thank you. Um, and I always let them know up front. You know, I don't come out and spew everything all uh, up front, but it comes out very quickly like, look, I'm a divorced dad. I've got two kids, blah, blah, blah. And that's almost – in fact, I can never think of a time when that's actually been an issue. Um, but it's a it's a logistical thing, you know, um, how and when are you going to – date somebody and go out and try to get to know somebody better is you have to factor that in to the, your schedule. Cause you got a lot of stuff going on. Sure. Um, yeah, I guess yeah. in some ways it could be a, you know, a benefit, right? It's like, Oh, he's got kids, you know, he's a, he's a family man, that sort of thing. You know, it's like the guy who, who uses a baby as a wingman to be a, a ridiculous example. I mean, obviously. <laughs> if, if you're, if you are a family guy and you're looking to attract a woman who's, who enjoys and loves kids too, then absolutely. Um, and I think that's part of, I think that's part of it because, you know, I'm putting that energy out there. And, and so for a woman that is not into that or doesn't want to be around kids or doesn't want to date, like I'm not even attracting those women into my experience anyway. So, um, yeah, for sure. And, you know, so when you picture like the ideal relationship you would want to create, um, what does that look like? Cause in my mind, I'm like, well, he could have like the leave it to be, not the leave it to be the Brady bunch sort of thing, you know, find a, an yeah. awesome girl who's single, but two kids, right. And do that. Yep. Um, yeah. or find just, you know, a girl without any baggage. Um, do you ever think about that stuff and play those? Oh, I definitely out? do. I mean, I, I, I grew up with four other siblings. So I grew up in a, a family of, with a lot of kids, a lot of activity, a lot of craziness, a lot of chaos. And, and it was, uh, as a kid going through it, it was like a love hate relationship. It was, it was always fun. There was always something going on, but it was also always annoying and always frustrating and always, you know, fighting to, to get validation and all that kind of stuff. But as a parent, like I always wanted to have a big family. I love kids. I love being around kids. Um, so that, that shows up in one of two ways, either. Yeah. Doing the blended family thing with somebody that, that has kids of their own is maybe in a similar situation or perhaps somebody that's a little bit younger who's wanting to start a family and is willing to take that on. I mean, that's a big ask, but um, I, I'm I'm open to that, you know, as far as a ideal relationship goes. But I don't. I'm also not super definitive on what that needs to be in this moment, simply because I'm still, you know, I, I'm in my journey. I'm still kind of getting back into that whole dating experience. I've been doing it now for a few years, but. Um, learning so much about myself too. And that's a big part of it as well is, you know, am I, am I the type of man that I want to be right now to attract the right person in my life to be with for the rest of the life? I don't know yet. So I'm still in that space of the journey, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Well, it sounds like it's, it's, uh, I, it sounds like a good thing to me to be kind of where you're at because it's like, either either option works great right you're not attached to either thing because it's like you know you have your kids and great if you have one want some if she wants some more yeah maybe <laughs> or yeah <laughs> do the blended family thing that that sounds good too so it's, yeah it's, i'm I very it, uh, go ahead sorry i was just gonna say i'm very i'm very blessed i mean i i as i mentioned I, like my kids are great they've they've really um adapted and um grown and gotten stronger and and in my perspective, healthier in this uh, phase of their life, but at the same time to have the freedom to get to know, you know new people and 
and to grow and, and better understand myself and have, you know, uh, intimate relationships and conversations and from people all over the place because I'm traveling and meeting new people is, is really, it's, it's amazing. But I will also say it can be lonely too, of course. Like, you know, I, I sat at home by myself this last Easter. That's, it's a bittersweet reality. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, there's, there's that silver lining in, in that as well, but it's not always amazing and, and perfect. There's, there's those times too, where it's tough and lonely and, ah, you know, you want to sure. be with somebody, you want to share that with somebody. So. Sure. And what's it like kind of doing, getting into more of the dating stuff recently? Uh, Cause you were, you know, married at such a young age and maybe you didn't even think about that stuff at the time. And now you're single. What's uh... it's been, it's been a journey. I, I, yeah, I dated and got married to my high school sweetheart. And so I didn't uh, do a ton of dating when I was younger. Uh, I was ready to commit for the, for the long haul. And um, we definitely worked together for a long time. Quarter of a century is a, is a good chunk of time. Um, mm-hmm. But there were some fundamental things that, that just were not, uh, we could never really shore up those cracks in the foundation and, and it just needed to, you know, in order for us to grow, we needed to grow apart. Um, right. So as far as dating now, um, I mean, I, it's, I, I've got brain cramp. What was the question again? <laughs> Sorry. Well, it, it, I'm looking it's out. Kind of, yeah, yeah, no, I guess it's kind of like, I'm curious if it was more, I don't know, it's kind of a stupid question. <laughs> you can answer or not. Um, like if you maybe if you had to go back and do it over, right, um, and learn all about the dating sort of things, because it's like for me, I've always felt, I've always felt kind of blessed that I never had to go through a divorce, or at least not yet, right. And mm-hmm. I think, ooh, I dodged a bullet because so many guys I know have done that. But then I think about from the other standpoint, like, well, you know, who's to say that's not necessarily, you know, because. If I would have been married at a younger age, I probably wouldn't have fucked off so much. I'd probably have a lot more um, responsibility. Kind of, it forced you to grow up. Is kind of what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, like I'm 36, almost 37, I'm starting to feel kind of like an adult. But I've, you know, I've <laughs> been able to fuck off for so long. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But you know, if you have kids, you know, you grow up fast and you become you become a man faster. I guess you could say. You know, it's, it's interesting th- that perspective because uh, we're all on our own journey. And I, you know, I will say that the journey that anybody is on is exactly the journey that they need to be in. And mm-hmm. uh, for your own growth, for your own development, I, I could easily say the same things uh, from your experience. Like, oh man, I got married too early and I took on responsibility that I wasn't ready yet. I didn't know myself yet. You were out there, you know, learning and growing and finding out you know, where, where you stood in the world and where your boundaries were and who you were as a man. Like, so we all have our perspectives on other people's experience, but I came to the realization that my experience is exactly my experience and it's exactly what I need in this moment. So, um, to better, more specifically answer your question, I realized that there was a part of me that didn't, um, that didn't date and didn't find myself in relationships. And there's huge value in meeting and dating and um, seeing the patterns that show up, the positive ones, the negative ones. I didn't even, didn't even realize that. I didn't notice um, that, uh, that I was into something else. And those things come up when you date. So 
you know, if I were to do it all over again, I think there's huge value in dating first, especially for a man and the stage, uh, the psychological development of a man. I don't know if you're familiar with Alison Armstrong's work, but I had her on my podcast as well. And she talks about the stages, uh, the psychological. Oh, yeah, I love, I love her work. I've read, uh, I've read, what, what's the name of her book? Um, uh, Keys the to the Queen, Kingdom. Keys to the Kingdom, The, the Queen's, Queen's Code. Yep, Queen's yeah. Code. Yeah, yeah, I really, really. So I read some of the stuff for girls too. So yeah, so great. To me. Mm-hmm. Great information. She's got a lot of really um, significant, poignant ideas. Um, one of them that I use as a frame all the time with myself and my son, with other men, is those stages of masculine development. And very briefly, it's the page, the knights, the prince, and the king. And the page stage is sort of the boy stage. It's where my son is right now as an 11-year-old. But that night stage is really more of those early teens, early 20s, where on a normal, healthy, traditional timeline, a man is out there finding himself. He's out going on adventures. He's out dating women. He's, you know, uh, finding out what he's made up in the business world. Um, what skills does he have? You know, it, it's really a self-serving, self-loving period in one's life where you get to find out who you are, what you're willing to tolerate, what you're not, what you stand for, what values do you believe in, which ones do you not, which do you oppose. There's a lot of that goes on in the night stage. It's a hugely valuable stage. And as I self-reflected, I realized like I really didn't go on the relationship side of things. I didn't do that. I did it on a financial side, you know, pushing myself on the health side and, and trying to work out and stay healthy and all that. But on the relationship side, I really didn't have give myself the space to you know fight the proverbial dragons and 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 date different women and so i realized that i kind of needed to take a step back or or frankly just pick up where i left off which was i didn't have a lot of experience so from a relationship side of things i realized i was really more in that night stage where i need to be and i've been intentionally selfish and uh and that sounds bad we don't want to be selfish but i realized that it's the you know, the metaphorical, let me put the mask on, the the oxygen mask on myself before I can put it on my kids in the airplane scenario, right? I I realized that my energy in my relationship, in my uh, marriage, my failed marriage, was constantly like, how do I serve? How do I give? How do I? And I didn't meet my own needs. And so, um, and I also saw uh, my parents go through similar dynamics, uh, which wasn't healthy. It wasn't, it didn't serve them. And while it, feels it while it is noble there's huge nobility in the selflessness of truly giving to somebody else's needs it it, it can also end in martyrdom and i don't want to fall on the sword i want right. to live to fight another battle so yeah, and part of that and that has this problem yes of course yeah. exactly and that's that's where you see nice guys that all of a sudden explode in rage and the wife's going well, what like whoa where did this come from or Conversely, the women who end up just cheating on their husbands because, you know, they never met, they never were courageous enough to, to say, hey, these are my own needs and or get those needs met in a, in a healthy way. So I, I realized on the relationship side of things for me personally, I needed to kind of revisit that night stage to find out a little bit more about myself, find out a little bit more about um, what what my strengths were, what where my weaknesses were, what do I need to, you know, where do I need to grow and getting that feedback from different women in different experiences from different age ranges to different, you know, graphical locations. Like that's hugely valuable. Go, Oh geez, I've heard that before. <laughs> this is the third girl <laughs> that said this to me. I probably, right. probably my issue, you know? 
Mm-hmm. Um, I've had a lot work of those. on that. <laughs> yeah, so it's I very illuminating. The least uh, romantic guy I've ever met. <laughs> 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 oh man, fuck! If I've heard that so many times. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's a character flaw. What do you what? What's yeah, yeah. Well, come on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wait, but how am I? Uh, it's funny. <laughs> well, you know, and then on the uh, on the flip side of that, though, is you really get those those meaningful bits of wisdom too, and that bit you know of, of feedback where you start to see the patterns of, you know, wow, you're so great at this. You you know, it really means a lot um, how you can articulate these things or or to communicate or you know, I've never been with a man who's tried to you know who served who's uplifted me so much. Um, I, I feel like a completely different person. When you start to get that type of feedback consistently from different people with different perspectives and center, like it's really meaningful as a man to go, wow, I, I really am bringing this to the table. Whereas maybe per- perhaps before I didn't recognize it or I, I kind of held it off at arm's length. That's been a huge part of my personal growth is to be willing to receive. Um, and that is also in that quote unquote selfish phase where you where you have to open up and be willing to say hey if i'm going to take on all the shit that i do and and that i need to work on and i need to improve which is great like we need to continually push and be better at the same time i also need to be willing to look in the mirror and go oh this is a gift like i'm bringing this to the table this is valuable i don't want to just give that away and or that i want to find a mate worthy enough of cherishing that and valuing that because i'm bringing this full force to this relationship so sure and you need to be yeah. selfish to kind of figure out your boundaries and just exactly. how you stand on things. So, yes. And yeah, it's, uh, I can definitely, um, I'm, I'm okay with the willing to receive stuff, but I can, I can, <laughs> my, my, the image of my dad comes to mind because he's so giving, but like he just doesn't receive. And it'd be mm-hmm. so cool if he could more. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's, imp- it's really important to learn all that, you know learn about yourself and go through those stages and Alison Armstrong's work is uh I love it I've like totally ate that stuff <laughs> about a year ago just went through almost all of her stuff mm. so I can't recommend that highly enough too but um so tell us if uh if guys want to guys or girls who's ever listening want to learn more about you um how can they do that if they want to work with you how do they find out uh if you go to my website at pkexperience.com you'll see all the interviews that I've done. If you're interested in the relationship stuff, you can um, click on the podcast and then the, the uh, sub menu of relationships. There's a lot of really great content there that you can find out more about me. Uh, but if you're wanting to contact me, you can certainly contact me through the contact page. If you're a woman, I have, uh, if you go to pkexperience.com forward slash grace, uh, you'll, there's a, a video there that you can watch and, um, get to know me a little bit more. We can do a call and find out more what's going on and how I can help. Um, so those are two outlets for the guys. I have uh, a membership site that I'm working on. I don't have it up just yet, but um, you can reach out through my contact page on, on my website. And I'll post the links uh, under the podcast as well. Cool. Awesome, man. Well, as always, great talking. Thanks so much for uh, coming on the show. For sure, man. I, I'm honored to be on it and I appreciate you and what you're doing and, your transparency and honesty, it's it's a rare thing to have guys be willing to stand up and say, This is this is this is me, take it or leave it. So I appreciate you, man. Likewise, likewise.
Thanks for listening. If you want more, go to innerconfidence.com and don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for the latest episodes. 